The theme for the afternoon talk with you is Mindfulness of Love. Of the extraordinary wide and diverse expressions of, the, of us as human beings, one of the most important and significant in the field of existence is the place of love. It is rather central, we might say, uh, to our life. It has enormous influence in the way that we share and offer it and make it available. It has enormous influence on us throughout the duration of our life in the capacity and the receptivity that we have to receive love. It shows itself in a whole variety of activities. It can mirror and confirm itself in the way that we think, what we say and what we write, uh, what we do, and at times and regularly enough we experience the uh, absence of love and it generates concern for us as thoughtful human beings when there is reactivity in the absence of love friendship and kindness from ourselves and of course and equally so when it's coming to us uh, from the other or the others <clears throat> love permeates, as we know, throughout all of the arts. It influences the world of poetry and literature and music and theatre and cinema and dance and much, much more. It's one of those areas of life which, on a day-to-day basis, to live a really fulfilled insightful and nourishing life we could live with one single uh, question used in a rather insightful song and the question we could live with on the day-to-day basis is very simple where is the love and this as a meditation as a mindfulness as a, a theme with you this afternoon I would like to uh, uh, touch upon. There are different ways of expressing it and one thing to make clear from the start it does not rely upon nor depend upon feelings. There is quite often a view or a tendency that we have to associate love rather in a rather narrow and exclusive way with the feeling world. It's much deeper than that. It's much more expansive than that. It can include it, that means the feeling life, and love can be without the feeling. And I'll try to touch upon this with you in a few moments. In the context of presence, that means of being here uh, 
uh, at this time. We can look in two, many ways of course, but in two primary ways as it mirrors and reflects our being here. And one of those ways is with the, f- is with the form, still keeping and bearing here in heart and mind the core question, where is the love? And very easily and humanly enough in this environment, we, that is uh, Sonia and I, give plenty of voice to form, method, technique, structure and timetable. Uh, It starts at uh, six o'clock in the morning. Some of you who have sat other retreats uh, elsewhere, or like in the monasteries where we started at 4am, so some starting at 6am, you can rightly so think of it as a real holiday camp here at the Ward House for a, a, a week. Uh, and the day moves through its forms and its structures till around 9.30 uh, or so in the, in the evening. <clears throat> and, as mentioned, a lot of priority is given to the sitting, walking, standing, reclining form. When there is an excess of investment in the form. It's an important point here. When there is excess, too much, thinking about the form of the breath, of being with the body, of the method and technique. When the mind exaggerates the place of the form, one of the confirmations of it will be, in the mind, am I doing it right? It's a common response. Am I following the instructions correctly? Why can't I stay with the breath or with the body? Or whatever the object uh, might be. And so, when there is some fragmentation, some scattering of the attention lost in the storylines and excessive thinking, in that stream of that mental activity and the story which is taking place, there will be thoughts arising in it. And the thoughts will have a memory. It possibly could be the memory of the instructions. Oh, I should be in the present moment. Oh, I should get back to my breath. Oh, I should be more mindful. In the stream of the thinking, those thoughts will arise. Because one's heard them, one's read about them, one's remembered them. But the thoughts in the stream of the thinking have no power to them because they're in the stream of the story in the stream of the mental ideas of what I should be doing and the should 
in that stream of the thinking, as I say, has no power to it. And when there is the absence of that, in the being, the human being, will come more conditioning, and as touched upon with you a little bit yesterday, with the new thought, not the new, not, not, not the old thought, of, oh, I should try harder. I should push myself a little bit more. Where is the love? And we do this again and again and again. When on earth are we going to ever learn? And then we ask ourselves, and, then, and sadly you have to ask us as well, the teachers, we, we, ask our, we ask ourselves, I need to love myself more. How do I find more love in myself? Well, if we are thinking, 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 having a few thoughts interrupting the thinking with a different thinking, oh, I should be more mindful, I should work harder, I should push myself more. There's your answer. We're cutting ourselves off from what is profound and deep and beautiful because we think that our dear mind can work it all out. Our dear mind is in control. Our dear mind will give us what we want. And what we deeply wish for is to know love. And the love has to inform the mind. It's a receptivity to it. And pressing ourselves and pushing ourselves hard and trying to be somebody and to get what we want is a rejection of love. And somehow or other, in the being, somehow or other, we've got to wake up to this. We can't go on living the way that we do because the love is a, the loss of love is a terrible cost. It's an awful state of alienation. Our meditations, in its formal sense, genuinely is to keep alive that core question I asked at the beginning, where is the love? Not am I doing the practice right, not am I following the instructions correctly, not I should be pushing myself a little bit harder. That's not the issue. And that interest in, in love. But the word, because I know quite often with these uh, uh, themes, a person may ask, oh, what does love mean? Honestly, it's tragic. 
if we have to ask each other, what is love? I mean, come on. doesn't need Christopher or yourself to use your mind for it. So when we explore this four-letter word, which is much better than the other four-letter word, when we explore this, it is an umbrella, understand, concept. It embraces a wide diversity of meanings. And mindfulness of love includes all that comes under the umbrella. And to give it terrific significance, obviously, friendship is love. Kindness is love. Generosity is love. Gratitude is love. Appreciation uh, is love. The ability to see beauty is, is uh, love. Respect for the other is love. Non-harming is love. Being sensitive is love. Being respectful uh, is love. Listening to the other is love. Finding the quietness of the being is love. Taking care with our inner life is love. Taking care of the other, the animals, the creatures, the environment is, is love. There, Being artistic and creative and generating something beautiful uh, is love. My goodness me, the whole life is about love. A meaningful life, a purposeful life, a creative life, a meditator's life, a mindfulness life. It cannot function without the recognition and knowing where is the love. It's me, it renders, it, it makes all of these practices meaningless without it. And a good man doesn't mind me quoting. Uh, uh, the Buddha for a moment. <laughs> Ananda went to the Buddha. Very powerful thing to state. And said to him, isn't all of this practice about metta? Metta is a Pali word. means love. It means friendship. And it means loving kindness and all those other aspects of it which I just referred to. He said, isn't this Dharma way of life, this spiritual way of life, this uh, inquiring way of life, however you might like to say, isn't half of it about really finding love? And uh, the Buddha said to him, don't say that, Ananda. Ananda was his attendant. Don't say that. He said, all of this life is about love. And all of these practices are about it. It's given that much profound significance. And the best of our humanity, the very best of our being, is in this manifestations and expressions uh, uh, of it. So let us, in the forms that we have here, 
really take a, a, a real interest and just quietly remembering in multiple ways that expressions of friendship, kindness and love come through the being. It is not, those of you who have touched upon this with the one-to-ones, we easily say to ourselves, and we uh, say to uh, uh, others, oh, I need to love myself more. No, you don't. It's a nice idea, but it's doomed. It's a hopeless endeavour. Because when there is, I wish to love myself more, the very wanting there, there is no end to the wanting. It will go on through one's life. And there will be a view of a gap. The gap can be, in the past, I haven't been loved enough by you-know-who. <laughs> and in the present, where I am in the uh, present, therefore I can't love myself enough. I need to love myself more. This wish for more will constantly be in comparison to less. Understand? If I want to love myself more, then I love myself less. But the more will never be enough. And there will be consistent comparing of one's love that one has with what I should have, because I want more, and I then will look around other human beings and think, ah, oh, they're so lucky. They've got more love than I've got. There. Why, ha- why, ha- why do they love themselves more and I love myself less? And this view <coughs> passes through the whole life. nightmare who wants to live with the constant daily thought I need to love myself more in which that thought is a reaction which will keep repeating itself there may be a short satisfaction oh I really love myself oh it's so nice and then a little old tendency comes up, a little bit of agitation, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of anger, a little bit of being human, and out of that, oh, I don't love myself enough. And when I can't, so to speak, love myself enough, which poor devil are you going to choose? to try and get some love from them because I can't give myself enough. Oh, is it any wonder if we are putting pressure on others to give us more attention and to love us more, they end up saying, 
get me out of here. <laughs> when we feel an absence of love, so-called, for ourselves, so-called, and we really, really, really want it, and we can't get it here, it will go somewhere, and it usually goes the demand and the pressure and the wanting on the person we say we love. That poor person who we love so much is under immense pressure to give us more love. And I find, and you might do as well, that if another human being is putting lots of demands for our attention and our wanting and our uh, presence and everything else. When people are putting a big demand upon us, I find it very difficult to be very loving. What I find easier is Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> Au revoir. <laughs> bye bye. Come and see me in my next lifetime. <laughs> Whatever it might be. So, this exploration of love in the form that means of, of being, uh, uh, being here is not wanting of more because of the pressure we place on ourselves and others as mentioned but rather in our relationship to, to being here can I just recognise and acknowledge the many expressions of love coming from within and coming from without and just notice them and genuinely give them a, a, a priority and in our silences there is respect for others. When you're not going to try to have a chatter, a talk, conversation with uh, somebody else. When one is taking care with the sounds of what we do and the way that we, that we move. Yeah. The considerations for being punctual as possible in coming into the hall and thousands of other things, all the kind gestures in the work period. To see that all those expressions are a confirmation of the love. Just by entering and spending some days together in a retreat, in our silence, giving our mind a rest, all that weight that can be in our mind through the daily life. Connecting sensitively and affectionately with the body and the breathing. All of that confirms a real sensitivity and a, a communication and a, a facilitation with our experience. It's love. It's love for a harmonious life. It's love to feel a well-integrated human being. It's love to just let the whole being rest in the stillness and in the silences. And we want to be, just be able to acknowledge the beautiful and the indispensable part 
that love is playing. The good staff, the team of people, all the preparation that's gone into this, the gratitude and the joy and the happiness of just, wow, what people are doing for us here, for us to be here. And also with friends and family elsewhere, and probably it happens quite regularly. Sometimes some of you have come here because your partner or your kids or your parents have begged you to go on a retreat for a few days <laughs> please, please go I'll, I'll, I'll pay the train fare I'll give the donations <laughs> just go <laughs> you know, it's a sort of love <laughs> you know, etc and of course, you know humour as well is, you know, is another you know, it's a form of love it's a playfulness, it's a heartfulness it's the sideways look at at uh, uh, situations, and and we need playfulness and heartfulness and and good humour, and, and particularly in these kind of circles, because I have to, you know, as we know, some of the people in them are, are deadly serious, you know, you know, and deadly serious is the word for it. Uh, there, what about the heart? What about humour? What about connecting and and feeling the vibrancy of life and the happiness and joy that uh, Sonia has been uh, uh, just uh, a sideways step for a moment. Apparently there's one small joke that was going round. I had to, had to smile. as a slight religious f- flavour uh, to it. Two young guys knocked on the front door of a convent, you know, convent is where the nuns live, not not on the front door of the convent. And one of the good sisters answered the door and said, "Yes, can I help you?" And uh, the guy, the guy said, "Do you have any dwarves? You know, a dwarf is is a short person. Do you, have, do you uh, are there any nuns who have ordained who are, are dwarves who who are, who are living here?" And the, the nun says, no, 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 we, we actually we don't have any uh, dwarves who are ordained who are living here. Is she quite sure? Said, yeah, yes, yes, we're quite sure. He said, look, could I speak to Mother Superior uh, and ask her? Uh, and so Mother Superior very kindly came to young guys and said, um, I'm sorry to bother you, Mother Superior, but um, do you have a, a dwarf? who's here, who's a nun. And she said, I've been here many years, no, I can promise you, we have no dwarves here. (laughs) So the young guy turned to his friend and said, I told you I was right, it was a penguin. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I, I have no idea... (laughs) Who dreams up these stories? <laughs> I really don't. Uh, 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 but, what, what, but sometimes in life, in the, in the uh, uh, connection of, of things, but, and I, I said to Sonia um, at, the, at the, the, the food table, sometimes with the, the, the humour, particularly, of course, and I do apologise for not speaking German um, and speaking English. So I am very much reliant on uh, yeah, a good understanding uh, of the of the Eng- of the English. So sometimes with the humour, 
that if people laugh, or at least smile, <laughs> then there's some indication that there's some understanding going on with the English uh, there. But the other thing which is also important, just to flip over this a little bit there, in the matters of the heart and the warmth, when the heart is present, happiness, joy, humour, appreciation, gratitude, or whatever, with the deeper levels of the Dharma, it really helps with the understanding. Because sometimes, taking love as an issue uh, uh, here, we can listen, and it goes to the mind, sometimes it goes over the head, of course, sometimes it just goes to the uh, to the mind, when the heart's engaged uh, with the vitality and the feeling uh, level, then there is an, another level, shall we say, of receptivity, because it's going, uh, going to uh, the heart. And when something can land well with us it, and go deeper, it has a staying power to it. Understand? It stays. So speaking of love and then the core question this afternoon where is the love and with the sharing and with the communication maybe maybe one single single profound question resonates with us very very deeply and it's such that it, we, we can bring it into the difficult situations where is the love Certainly in the retreat environment, as elsewhere, as happens with every single retreat without exception that we offer, it is not unusual in the communication, in, that means within oneself, that there is the presence of memory and image of the other whoever the other may be, engaged in the meditation, and then at some point within the time span for a number of people on the retreat, there will be the strong archetype, formation, memory of the other, whoever he or she may be. And then there is a relationship to the other in the formation and in this time that means being here though the physical biological presence of the other may well be absent not here on the retreat with you but inwardly the other is present and in that dynamic that duality oneself, so to speak, and the other, in that duality, there is a gap. There is the other, and there is myself, and there is the gap. And the question is back to the same question. Where is the love? And very easily, in the gap, there can be a reaction to the other. So the reaction, react, means that the old is repeating itself. 
It's a reaction. And therefore there is a movement from within, which is old, on our consciousness, might call it ourself, there, which views the other from the history, exclusively from the memory. And because love is so important to us, if we are not receiving love from the other, we're receiving their anger. We're uh, receiving their indifference, their apathy, or their blame, or their (coughs) pressure. What we want is the love. What we don't want is the blame, the fault-finding, the apathy, the indifference, the coldness, uh, or whatever. But, since mindfulness and love is so important, it is important, obviously, to really know the other. And sometimes the other does not have the knowledge, the skills, the methods, the understanding of how to find love, to know love, to reveal love, to show. The person simply does not know. What the person knows is a long history of non-love, of the absence of love. And we, who wish to know what love and explore love and express love, find ourselves in the face of another who not only find it difficult to offer, share and speak and give, shall we say, in the language of love, but the person there has no tools to change. How can we expect a human being who has no tools, no practices, no understanding and no way of working with a difficulty, how can we possibly expect her or him to change? It's not possible. It's just not realistic. And we kind of, we wait, and we want, and we wait, and we want, and we try to be kind, and we try and be thoughtful, etc. And we cannot find that which we wish from the other, because the other can't give it to themselves. They've had no practices, no teachings, no understanding, no depths of sharing. And then we say, well, why is he or she so angry? Why is he or she so irresponsible? Why is he or she so indifferent or so uncaring? What does one expect? (coughs) Where is the love? And in that respect... The love 
in a way it is to stay true to the love and it's not that important if the other doesn't know about it doesn't understand it blames and attacks us or or whoever then it's up to us who have some access to skills and practices and knowledge we have the duty to show what the love is and to stay true to it and it may or may not be heard and if you forget Western culture has a strong uh, religious history or sometimes questionable I, re- I know but the good uh, founder Jesus of Nazareth whatever we might say he stayed true to love the Romans nailed him to the cross but he stayed true to love and it's touched a deep element in the the, the psyche shall we call it of of many many people fortunately these days we're less likely to get crucified on the cross probably more likely to just get misunderstood but nevertheless just find ways all the aspects of love to see if we can stay true to love and sometimes (coughs) as well just going to the uh, outer for uh, a a moment or two (coughs) we need the Ability, this is where the kindness and friendship comes in, to really connect with others near and far for whom there is affection and respect and appreciation and, and, and gratitude. Because perhaps some of that person's love and kindness and goodness of the heart and clarity some of that might kind of rub off on us. We don't have to completely rely upon ourselves. There, And small things in life can touch the place very, very, uh, very, very well and deeply uh, uh, with us. In some kind of odd situations. I mean, to give you a, give you a very small uh, uh, example. I was teaching... Um, in um, seminar, house, seminar House in Engel it's about an hour and a half from Munich some of you will, will know so just as here with the, with the, there's, there's the room for the, for the one-to-ones uh, there's like here right next to my bedroom and in the room at Seminar House uh, Engel there is a glass doorway into the garden. Uh, there. And so while having this one-to-one, my eye just caught that a cat, as they do, picked up a mat, got a mouse, a field mouse, and carried it to the, the, the door, and it, you know, and it's catty, go, hey, look at me, I've caught a, <laughs> caught a mouse there, etc., 
uh, and uh, I turned and jumped out the chair and like that and the cat of course just ran off a few metres and I opened the glass door and the mouse ran in <laughs> they do you know taking refuge <laughs> and my and the and there was a room, there's hardly anything in it. There's a cabinet, you know, with bits and pieces in it, and a table and a chair. I looked everywhere for this mouse. I could not find this mouse anywhere. And they left the, the door open, so I could get out. It's still there. So I had an idea. I put, because the staff look after the teachers, a biscuit in the middle of the floor. Went to bed, slept, woke up, there, came out. The entire biscuit had gone, not a little trace of a biscuit. I think you're in here somewhere. <laughs> so the second, and I, looked, I still couldn't find where this, there's hardly anything in the room, I couldn't be, where on earth are you? And the second night, I thought, okay, I left the door open during the day, etc. I thought it must have gone out now, I could get bored here. And I put the biscuit, second biscuit there. So, you know, eating out my biscuits at start. <laughs> and I put the second biscuit there, came out, got out of bed, woke up in the morning, and it had gone. Not a trace, not a tiny crumb. So, again, same story, looking around everywhere. And I'm, this is true, I'm sitting at the table, it's around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, the day is over, and this mouse is half a metre from me with its big brown <laughs> eyes looking up to me, more or less saying, where's my biscuit? <laughs> I said to look, you're eating all my biscuits up, you, you, etc. Yeah. Though sometimes, in the kind of small acts of kindness, you know, whatever, playfulness, biscuit, uh, or whatever, how it can bring about, you know, such a response. The small act of love can bring trust. The mouse, you know, could have. Lean down and touch, he's just looking up at me. And it's these, the gestures of the gift do get renewed with no guarantees and replaced and touched upon uh, there. Not always, obviously, that's why I made the reference to Jesus. But much of the time, that which we give, which we call love under many names, thousand names that which we give often and easily and regularly is received it comes back to us tenfold that's the power of it it's such a powerful presence and force in our day to day day to day life and sometimes at the larger level um, again with this I touched upon this um, <coughs> in this uh, with, with the staff today at the uh, uh, dining room. I was in India just um, a couple of months ago, 
And so uh, uh, we're there. And we have a, a, a school in Bulgaria we started. Started actually initially by giving, class, uh, giving classes in the monastery to the kids, you know, in the morning telling them a story and stuff like that. And while uh, uh, there, in the, uh, this year, I heard that the chief minister of uh, Bihar, like the governor, let's say, some other places, um, had issued in 2018 um, a new law. And the law that he issued was, for the whole state of Bihar, he banned the production and drinking of alcohol. Now, you can imagine what would happen... Uh, here if that was done but in India they, they, they do these sort of uh, things and the uh, part and as you always there's some political motives in the, these things uh, 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 as well but part of the reason behind it was the illicit uh, illegal uh, illicit alcohol being produced and there have been you know, far too many sicknesses and deaths from it, the increasing amount of alcohol problems, and often, of course, men, over-drinking, spending the money, <coughs> hitting their wives, and so forth. And the outcome of all of this was that, of course, he had a massive vote of appreciation from the beloved Muslim community mm-hmm. because it doesn't drink <laughs> and they really appreciated it and he had a massive vote as well from women tired of their husbands spending or their fathers spending money on alcohol or, and, uh, and, and, and the violence that can come out of it and of course so his election was there so being an ex-kind of Roman Catholic, and it's an interreligious school, uh, there these twenty percent of the children, are Muslim kids and Hindu and Christian and Buddhist. I said to the, our head teacher, who's Catholic nun, I said, "But what are you doing about it? Because there's the bread and wine." For communion, what are you doing about it? Because it's banned. And she said to me, Christopher, we are smuggling. Understand smuggling? <laughs> We're smuggling in the wine from the next state in empty Coca-Cola bottles. <laughs> I thought, brilliant. <laughs> a wonderful use of creative imagination and in fact the best use of a Coca-Cola bottle I've heard in my entire life <laughs> so sometimes things are bad or whatever it might be and then people use their creative ways and, and uh, etc and it's up to us with love with mindfulness to be creative 
It's up to us to find the ways and means with the other. Not expect the other in terms of those, back to the expectations again, to change. And it can be, and I've said this myself, to the other, whoever the others are, that sometimes when he or she is angry, blaming, um, potentially violent, or being consistently nasty uh, there. Sometimes I think one has a certain responsibility and duty here. And it doesn't matter who it is, no matter how close in the family line or, or at work or whoever, what it is, that in relationship to the other, if one is regularly subjected to abuse, this, in this case a verbal abuse, have in mind there, to say to the other, I am ready to talk with you when you can treat myself with respect. When we can talk without the attack and the blame and the anger and the fault finding. And when you are willing to commit yourself to that, I will be available for you. And if you're not, I'm not available. And it doesn't matter who you are. Who you are. Because it's too much to be in the company of the other. The bully. The nasty person. Sometimes there's reactivity, of course. Sometimes we might say something which we regret and we recognise how hurtful it was. What I have in mind here, of course, is the situation where it's consistently negative, hostile, nasty. As soon as one arrives, one is already feeling tense before one has even spoken to that boss in the office, to that, to that parent with their unresolved issues, to that neighbour down, down the street, or whoever it might be. And we have to stay firm and clear and communicate out of respect for ourselves and having the confidence with the other to communicate to her or him one's position and not keep expecting that by putting ourselves in front of the other again and again, the situation will change because the person's history is consistently negative. And therefore, we are staying true to the love. And sometimes, it does happen that the other, whoever she or he is, does start to reflect does start to possibly look at himself or herself and realise 
what it's like to be on the receiving end of the attack. And that might start to change. And it requires of us, in staying true to love, as a, such a precious, beautiful principle of, uh, of uh, human existence, to take some risks with it. A friend spoke to me the other day, <coughs> and in a very difficult, long-standing relationship, and the partner said, as a threat... I can't go on living if you leave me. I'll kill myself. I'll do something terrible. It is an enormous uh, pressure uh, there on the, on, uh, on the person. And it's a way, a manipulation, it is a way <coughs> of keeping control. And the outcome of that for the person on the receiving end is of course a lot of fear, distress, anxiety and inner uncertainty. It cannot help the other because of the anguish and the conflict and the confusion uh, that takes place. And sometimes in the taking of responsibility this is my view obviously here of, for our lives the other has to take responsibility for his or her action, for what she or he does. So that in the communication, we may move out of the relationship, as an example, whoever it may be, but always keeping the door open to love, to friendship, to reach, to connection, to communication having access, but making it extreme, extremely clear one is not going to stay in a situation because of a threat. There's no dignity in it. There's no integrity in it. And there's no help for either in it either. And sometimes in life, and I know others here and other retreats, the situations of exploring love really, really can challenge us. Really challenge us there. But it's worth the exploration. It's such an extraordinary thing to live with love and to explore it because one of the things that it does finally uh, with us, it makes it extraordinarily clear in life in the deep commitment to love, to knowing when we're not loving. And sometimes our love is in our silence. It's not in the feeling. Sometimes uh, our love is in the thought. It's in the stillness. It's in the not doing it's in the not saying. It's in the equanimity. It's in the presence. It may not be felt. The mother in the night 
with her baby, the father with the baby, may not feel like getting up because the baby is screaming. The feeling to do it is not there. But the knowing is. And one gets up and as parents here will know, walking up and down, <laughs> baby in arms, screaming in the ear. It's you know, part of the cycle. When I was doing it, I had a mantra. It was a very good mantra. I recommended it. Dogs bark, cats meow, and babies cry. And I would say this, it made it easier for some strange reason. <laughs> the walking up and down. Uh, uh, there. So, the, so the, though the feeling is not there, something else is doing, is moving. And I say, this is love. This is support. This is presence or, or, or whatever. So let's not rely on the feeling for the confirmation of love. It's much bigger than that. Okay, let's have the quiet period, shall we? <coughs> beings explore love may all beings live <coughs> with mindful lives <coughs> may all beings live with wisdom thank you for uh, lending an ear the times uh, 4.45 and time somewhere.